0: Welcome to the Contrarian Marketing Podcast, where we give you ideas you might not be thinking about. Today, we're talking about a recap of Google I.O. So Kevin, I don't know if you took the time to watch it, but I I watched it even while I was on calls. I had the the Twitter stream up of Google I.O. and just watching the things that were going on. They had someone doing sign language, but they didn't do closed captioning. So I would have loved the closed captioning, so I could have seen what they're doing. And before you interject and say, well, closed captioning on a live call or in a live presentation, that should be kind of difficult, but no, not for Google, because that is a feature that they have in Google docs and in Google meet. And that is definitely something they should be doing. I felt like that was not inclusive for all the people that were stuck on zoom calls or Google meet calls while they were trying to catch up on the latest news from Google IO.
1: you should be focusing on the call, not look at Google IO. It was a really boring call. Oh, uh, okay. Okay. In this case, there should be some AI feature that represents you on the call and just extracts the most important information from it.
0: Honestly, it was a really boring Google IO too. Like nothing was unexpected. They already leaked everything before and the, the presentations were kind of really scripted, I wouldn't have minded, like if they would have just released all that stuff in a couple of tweets and some TikTok videos, okay. but whatever, like they could do it their way and have a big show and all that. <laughs>
1: At least they didn't mess up the live demo. <laughs> you could tell that Kathy Edwards, the VP of search and ecosystem, discover whatever her title is, it's a long title, no disrespect. But at least, you know, like she's even said that after the live demo, she's like, whew, at least I went right. Because I remember a couple of months ago, they, it didn't go so well. So I do share your sentiment though. First of all, the search parts were not as mind-blowing as many people made them out to see. As I noticed a lot of tweets saying, oh, Google really delivered and they brought this one home. I don't think so at all. I think they just did something that a lot of other search engines have already done with the AI snapshot or the AI results. I did think that there were a couple of other really interesting non-SEO focused announcements that got me way more excited. But I will also admit that this is probably the biggest tectonic shift to SEO and search that we've ever seen. Bigger than not having the keyword referrer bigger than the, you know some of the AI advancements and query refinements and all that kind of stuff. Let's start with search here and then venture in some of the really cool other AI stuff that Google has announced.
0: So I'm afraid to say this because I feel like we're going to make a lot of SEO people mad or I'm going to make a lot of SEO people mad if you don't agree with me. But I feel like we highlighted that SEO, the practice of SEO is an inefficiency. It is a middle layer that shouldn't exist. So 10, 15 years ago, you needed SEO because the engines weren't that good at both parsing the intent of the query and also understanding the content of a website. But now we're in a state, even prior to Google, Google's AI, that they're pretty good. They had AI that understood it, machine learning that was able to understand it. You didn't really need SEO in this new AI centric search. You really don't need it it is complete inefficiency to have that layer of seo to have the necessity for a website to be doing seo in order to translate something for a search engine and even more than that you almost don't need websites we'll we'll dig into that it's clear that there are a lot of things that you aren't going to be really needing a website you're not going to click away and there's all the things that google needs to figure out like how do they continue to monetize when they blow up half their ads you know inventory just by having these answers at the top but i think SEO, as we know it, is going to die in a couple months when they launch this thing.
1: Here is where I disagree with you. You hear a lot of times that SEO is basically just a result of Google not delivering better results, and to a degree, that's right. But that also means that websites and brands need to do SEO to get the product attention that they deserve, right? Like a lot. Of, this is the kind of the common founder or engineer mistake. Where they say, "Oh, as long as we build an amazing product, people will come." And that's, but that's not enough. You need to market your product. You need to bring it out there, and you know, part of that is getting the attention of people on search results. Now, I'm not talking about scammy websites or websites that that really don't have a good experience and they just benefit from the better source or like maybe the authority, maybe a government website not having better content. I'm not talking about those kind of websites, but. Talking about websites that have a legitimately great product and that use SEO as a way to market themselves. And so many people have such a bad view of SEO, but most of the scammy stuff just doesn't work as well anymore. And so, in my mind, it's similar to advertising, where you could say, well, if I have a great product, then people should find my product just because due to word of mouth. So, advertising could also tap into the inefficiency of a product spreading. But it's not that, it's that we're big we're distracted, we're constantly doing things, and SEO is a way to catch people in the right at the right moment.
0: Yes, but the marginal impact to doing SEO, I think, has really changed. Like the way you and I do SEO, like we consult with companies, we help them build product led SEO and help them create things for SEO, that will never ever go away. There's a search channel right. and it only goes away when people stop searching. But the right. way a lot of people do SEO, which is your website is a C plus, I'm gonna get it to an A minus, and then you're gonna get more traffic. Ten years ago, if you were a C plus and you moved to an A minus, you got a lot more traffic. Now I don't think websites are C pluses anymore. I think that most websites, Google can understand them. You look at the things like Google rewriting title tags, that's because they understood the page. They understood the query and they rewrite the title tag because they did. And, you know, modifying title tags wasn't gonna change that much. You look at Google we're moving things like you know, core web values and page speed from the rankings and whether they did or they didn't, I don't think it mattered that much to begin with because the web's pretty fast. If your website was slow, then you were already not seeing traffic. So those little things, the marginal impact SEO, I think was already dying. But now when you can't even optimize for a good chunk of the searches that are happening because they're not searches anymore, and it's not just that <laughs> SEO is dying. The keyword died, like affiliate sites are dying. All that stuff is going to go away when Google launches this thing. And again, I don't know that they're really going to do it because they're blowing up a lot of their own revenue and they're getting rid of those ads and the whole world is changing. When Bing did it, no one cared because still no one's using Bing. When Google does it,
1: I think it's going to be massive. See, I am excited a little bit because this new AI world reshuffles the cards for SEOs and marketers. It's now new games. And that's where I agree and disagree with you, right? I agree with you that the old stuff, you know, like, especially like, like some tech SEO and some of these like traffic light thinking that's going away. However, there's going to be a new playing field that we haven't discovered yet. And that really excites me because I think there's a lot to learn about how to optimize for this AI world, but I do, you know, where I come full circle back to you is it's not going to be with this old school mindset. Like it's much more cross collaborative brands. It's going to matter so much more reviews, maybe links, referrals and mentions, so it's definitely going to become more complex. I don't see SEO going away. I see it evolve into hopefully something else. I hope we can strip the name SEO too, because it's so loaded with old school thinking that doesn't really help anymore.
0: Oh yeah. And you know what else is going to be interesting is that everyone always assumes that things are a given. Oh, Google's going to launch this thing. It's going to change everything. I don't think it's a given because in order for this AI to work, you need to have a lot of websites power the learning behind it. And I don't think it's a given that those websites are going to play ball and allow that to continue happening. Reddit is murmuring about having a subscription model where you can't see their content because I'm sure Reddit feeds a lot of the learning behind this. Reddit, there's so many queries where you just append the word Reddit. And now you get interesting information. Like you want to learn something about health or you want to learn something about finance or you want to learn something about coding. You append Reddit and you go and find some great Reddit the forums on these things. But if Reddit is feeding the LLMs, And Reddit now has a subscription model that blocks it. If you want to use Reddit, you pay Reddit. You want to use Quora, you pay Quora. So the learning to date will be there, but it will not be up to date. If the companies that have created this content refuse to play ball and feed their knowledge into it. And, you know, this week, Barry Diller from IAC, which owns Daily Beast and a number of other sites, they were also saying that they're not really interested in feeding the LLM. What's the upside for them? So let's see what happens. I think it'll be very interesting. So maybe you can learn some very static things like, historical things, like, you know, give me an essay in the voice of Napoleon, which is cool, but can you really analyze the last meeting of the Fed if none of the websites that would create that content are willing to feed it to LLM? AI becomes a little bit
1: less useful. So It is the first time where Google gets at least, again, we've only seen mock-ups, we've only seen the trailers, like, we haven't even seen this in a real world yet. We've seen BART, which disappointed you and I. There's a long episode that we'll link to in the show notes where we explore BART and we you know it does it's not that good. But I do agree that it's the first time in a long time where a lot of publishers might be thinking, what do I gain from still being in the same Google if Google answers so many questions themselves? And I think Google knows that and they have to pretty soon hopefully present a concept for how they're still going to share revenue and feed the web ecosystem. So yeah, a lot to be seen, I mean, but there was a couple of other super interesting things at Google I.O. that I feel like as SEOs especially were missing, I'm going to charge ahead and mention one that really excited me, and that's Google Cloud. So shortly after the search presentation part of the keynote from Kathy Edwards, the head of Google Cloud presented a super exciting concept where you can use Palm 2, one of the LLMs behind Google AI search results, and train it on your website with just a few clicks. And that hasn't gotten any attention at all, but it is such a game changer. As a website, don't forget, not only Google is the beneficiary of AI here, but we as websites or as brands can train these models and fine-tune them on our web content as well and develop assistance or develop tools or develop better customer service, right? There's All these improvements then come from fine-tuning models based on your content, same with the new email feature, Help Me Write, that basically writes emails for you. Hopefully, it's being trained on all your other emails, and that is such a game-changer, because now you have these fine-tuned models that you can use for all sorts of purposes. What else have you found to be super exciting that's non-search-related?
0: I actually found more of this to be exciting because I'm a total fanboy when it comes to Google stuff, and I'm actually going to get access to the new search experience before you because I'm a fanboy. I pay for Google's one, they call it, which is I'm buy, essentially buying more space in my Gmail and my drive. I pay a hundred dollars a year for two terabytes and I get to share with family members and that makes me a Google one member and I get their VPN for free and all that. But they just sent an email yesterday saying, be, I get ahead on the wait list because I pay them. So that's cute. Thank you, Google. So I found more things interesting. They launched a pixel fold, which is essentially a tablet that folds in half and that becomes a phone but it's really expensive. It's $1,800. So that's tough. (laughs) You can get an iPad for $500 and you get another, you can get an iPhone, right? But you really need them both in one. We'll see. Google's pushing it very hard. They launched a new Pixel tablet, which is also very expensive. So $499, which comes with a dock and a speaker. And then the thing I thought was kind of interesting is I really like what AirTags do for the Apple ecosystem. I see like every time I travel, everyone's tracking their suitcases and waiting for them to come out of the baggage claim with their air tags and i don't have access to that because i don't have an i don't have an iphone i have a tile and tiles like tile has been around before air tags it's a much weaker version so tile is the same as apple's air tag but it can only use people that have the tile app so while air tag people they all they're following their suitcase as it comes down the conveyor belt they know exactly where it is to the inch because there's a million people with iphones i have a tile so like i get a ping like every 15 minutes like oh it's a it just came off the plane, and then it's like dark space until it shows up at my feet. I was hoping that Google would allow support for the AirTag, or they'd create their own AirTag. It's unclear what they were launching there. The only thing that they mentioned is that they did some sort of collaboration with AirTag with Apple, that they're sharing some protocol that for anti-stalking to know if someone has an AirTag and is following you, which the comments online were amazing people were like well i don't want that to happen because if someone steals my bike with my air tag on it i don't want the thief to know that i have an air tag on it to go find it and throw it out or same goes if you throw an air tag in your your backpack with your laptop and someone steals your laptop you don't want them to go find it and pull it out and you can't find your laptop so it'll be interesting like you have to balance the privacy and safety with actually what people want to do with it which is track their stuff and then I thought this is interesting. You don't think that's so interesting, but apparently this is very, very complex from a hardware and software standpoint. They are enabling even more editing in photos. So you can like move objects. You can erase objects. And it's basically like Photoshop on the photos you've taken. So it's not just simple. Oh, you just move a photo around. Apparently you needed a much stronger chip. So
1: those are things that jumped out at me. What else jumped out at you? I wonder if it's called the pixel one, because there's only one user and that's you. (laughs) <laughs> no no. <laughs> All Kidding inside. I think honestly, like the Pixel devices, they have like 1% market share or something. According to Bards, which is funny, Apple shipped about 230 million smartphones in 2021, so it's a bit outdated statistic. And Google shipped sixteen million. So Well, we talked about this. They they over I basically get my phones for free
0: because they're playing games there. So like I've had every Pixel since the first Pixel. And what they do is they pay the essentially the trade-in price trading up my phone I don't think I've paid more than a hundred dollars for a phone in, in like six years because I take the old phone I trade it and they pay me almost what I paid for it, and then I add a hundred dollars and it keeps rolling over plus I they have sales and all that stuff so like it's giving away the phones for free and then they get to tell Wall Street like we sold 16 million phones they didn't say that they overpaid for people to trade in 16 million phones that they don't have to throw in the garbage but yes they're not
1: as popular as iPhones very pathetic way of saying that Anyway, it's going to be interesting to see if Google is going to be able to turn that around. The photo cropping thing and the maps feature, it's kind of quality of life in my mind, but it's not a step change. What I found really super exciting, and that's kind of the user in me, not the SEO or the marketer. But as a user, the Google workspace integration with search results, especially AI search results, is massive. So you can ask Google to create a list of something or create a calculator or some other task, and it will give you that list or calculator, and you can immediately, with a single click, copy that over to a Google Sheet. And I think this deeper integration between Google's products is a lot of provides a lot of utility, a lot of super useful cases. So as a non SEO, non marketer, it's just like allowing me to work faster. And and these productivity updates, those are really big in my mind. And it's another thing that nobody's talking about. And I wonder what else can you do here. You know, can it be, oh, summarize this YouTube video for me and copy-paste it to Google Sheets or to an email or all these exciting, interesting improvements. One of the innovations in my mind that Apple, for example, has shipped recently, I know you're not the biggest Apple fan, so... To say the least. You can copy something on your smartphone and then paste it on your laptop, on your MacBook, better set. And it's these little integrations that just go to show how smoothly integrated the Apple ecosystem is and I feel like Google has started to ship something to its strength. And that's the Google workspace suite in combination with search and hopefully email. So that was one of my highlights. Yeah. And
0: then the last one I think we should wrap up with is they launched this thing called Music LM, which again, I got early access to thanks to paying Google for their Google One. It is a AI music tool. And I posted a video on LinkedIn, which we'll link on the show notes. Very not impressed. So it gives you prompts. The AI thing is called AI test kitchen. So it's a cute name that they have on Google. But what they do is with this music thing is you give it prompts, like play soft jazz music, or I told it to play club music with a deep bass. And it's not good. Like the music's not good. I'm personally going to stick with actual musicians and actual artists and Spotify, but it's the same idea as mid journey and Dally is like, skip the artist. Just why can't the computer make art for you? And I think it's an interesting concept, like, you know, I don't know what you think, but do you think we're at, there's ever going to be a day where you go to a museum and you're like, look at modern art that's made by a computer. Like, wow, let me see what someone prompted a computer to make like one or two, but I don't think you'll have entire museums out of it. And the same with Google Music. I don't think there'll be a day where you're like, all right, let me just bring up my, you know, latest music so I can get some deep work done. Or I'm going to go for a workout and I'm going to listen to music made by a computer. I think we still need artists. Hopefully we still need artists. But if we don't, we are definitely going into the matrix.
1: I want to disagree with you, not just for the sake of disagreeing, but because I truly have a different viewpoint.
0: That's why it's the Contrarian Marketing Podcast.
1: (laughs) Welcome everyone. (laughs) But I'm I'm convinced that there are going to be more artists in the future. And the reason I'm saying that is because AI makes it easier to bring your idea on paper or on, on pixels for that matter not Google Pixels, I mean... Oh, the real ones. <laughs> not literally, the real ones. <laughs> and I think it's just going to take away the technique, but not the ideation. And so you won't have to master the perfect stroke anymore. It really comes down to ideation. And I think that AI will also allow us to remix all of these ideas much more potently and more interestingly. And that's going to be amazing for people to watch. They're going to be interested what crazy ideas remixers and AI artists have come up with. So... I actually think the opposite is going to happen. It's going to be more designers, more music producers, etc. but there is going to be some sort of licensing issue that has to be figured out where you might have to pay the original inventor or the original artist, maybe a little bit of a licensing fee if you create a remix, but that could be great for both sides.
0: We'll see, but I think we're heading into the matrix and I think we should probably wrap up with one little story here. I don't know if you saw this. I shared it on Twitter. But there's a headline going around and I'll read the headline from decrypt.co. This 23 year old Snapchat star can be your AI girlfriend for a price. You too can be a social media influencer, Karen Majuri's virtual boyfriend for just $1 per minute. So she used ChatGPT to, I don't know, scale herself somehow. And then she'll be your girlfriend and send you girlfriend messages. Um, yeah. <laughs> There will be a lot more of this, so it'll be like, hey, I'm an artist. I prompt stuff and I sit in my house and just use musical AI. Or I'm an artist and I paint stuff. So we can just stay home. Like we don't. Maybe we'll send out our our avatars to go eat. You don't need to do anything. You just <laughs> date computers. So
1: we'll see where this is heading. I'm already staying home, Eli. <laughs> I'm already at home. All right, go get some sunshine. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go get some sunshine, and I'll hear next week. Thanks, Eli. Thanks, Evan. And now it's your turn. Head over to contrarianmarketingpodcast.com and subscribe to the free weekly newsletter to get a summary of today's episode, key takeaways and community content. And while you're there, go to today's episode and leave your opinion in the comments. We'll feature the best thoughts in the newsletter and on the podcast. Also, if you like today's episode, please feel free to leave five stars on Spotify and Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. As always, thanks so much for tuning in and here next week.